Hi, I'm Stephen Crafty. I'm presenting Talking Design in Melbourne, and I'm with an architect called Stephen Jarvins, who you probably have read about a little bit in the media. His uh, life and business partner is uh, one of Australia's leading interior designers, Kerry Phelan, and they've recently joined practice, probably about a year ago, KPDO, which is Kerry Phelan Design Office, but KPDO, it's an architecture-led practice, and I'm very pleased to have Stephen in the studio today. Welcome, Stephen. Thanks, Stephen, and thanks for asking me to um, chat with you today. You're almost, you're a very complicated architect, because unlike many architects who kind of go through architecture school you know, you seem to have a lot of, both you and Kerry have very broad interests. And, uh, I mean, you studied arts at Queensland University in the early 80s and then uh, went on to do architecture and then finally at RMIT uh, yes. doing architecture. But uh, I think when I was talking to you previously, um, you've worked with heritage architects, you're really into history which has really influenced the way you think. Absolutely. You've got so many, and you're a champion uh, fencer, a world That's champion true. fencer. World champion fencer, yeah. So it's almost, we don't have enough time to discuss everything on this program. But Let's leave a little bit of time for fencing at the end. All right, leave a little <laughs> bit of time for fencing. Yeah. Um, Stephen, going back to your early days, what did you, arts and history, and that has formed, really continues to inform That's the practice today. Yes. What is it about arts and history, particularly history that you love? Well, um, before my life as an architect, I studied, um, I did an arts degree at Queensland University, and it was back in the good old days, the late 70s, when um, people had time to explore ideas without being sort of tied into vocational courses. So it was all mm. thanks to... Um, uh, Whitlam. I think we had some. Mm. We had free education in Australia, and I was part of that very fortunate generation that benefited from that. So, I was able to go to university, not knowing what I wanted to do, not wanting, n not knowing what I, what I wanted to do in life, yeah. but just to pursue some general interests. So, and that's was, rare now. Most people well, are so very, driven. Yeah, right? I was very, very lucky. So, um, so I studied um, literature, um, and in particular, I was fascinated with. Um, the Greek and Roman myths. So I started off, loved the Odyssey, loved the Iliad, um, loved Virgil, all of the, the great mm -hmm. classics. So I studied um, the classics at uh, Queensland University. And sadly, that department's been closed down now. So Probably again, like many yeah. programs Australia-wide. Yeah, that's right. So, But I really loved it. And, um, <clears throat> and that... Um, sort of led me to an interest in modern literature. So I went from the classics to modern literature. Um, and I studied that for three years and just loved it. So I, I, I then, and that's something that stayed with me for the rest of my life. I love literature, I love history. And um, I was also um, part of a generation in Queensland that was politicised by um, growing up, up under the Joe Bjorka-Peterson era. So it was very, very p political. Um, and one of the things that really suffered was Brisbane's built environment. Just pulling so anything down. Anything got pulled down. So there was a very famous um, demonstration at the Bellevue Hotel, which was pulled down. It was on the Heritage Register, and it was illegally demolished. Illegally. Illegally demolished um, overnight. Um, and by the time we all got there, 
it sort of got out. What period are we looking at? This is in the... Oh, yes, it was like an 1860s, 1870s classic Queensland hotel in in the parliamentary district. So it was very grand. It was very beautiful. Anyway, it got pulled down, and we just thought that was appalling. Which it, you know, which it was, and then there was the the other famous one was the Cloudland Ballroom, <clears throat> which was built up on the top of a mountain, and um, it was actually built to entertain the troops during the Second World War. So it had great sort of social history. That got pulled down as well illegally, and then I thought, wow, you know, I need to get involved and try and do something. So I I became interested in the National Trust, and. I found um, my way into architecture through a love of old buildings and um, I spent the first couple of years working with a fantastic architect called Rob Riddell in Queensland and he was a heritage architect so um, I worked with him um, for a number of years working researching on a a, a great um, Queensland uh, arts and craft architect called Robin Dodds Mm-hmm. So, he, all of those, all of these things were quite formative for me. So, it became, and that's something that's kind of forward, that's that I've followed for the rest of my life. I've just always been very interested in trying to preserve heritage buildings where possible. And I think that has carried through to many of your projects. You often, uh, you know, whether it's, I mean, you, you you started working with a number of practices, then you've formed various practices over the years but you'd have to say Stephen that a lot of the projects you interact with you're very respectful of the origins and not just well I think we'll pull it down and make a statement. Yeah I think I think one of the things that I really love about um, heritage architecture is that it came from a series of established rules so whether it's classical architecture or gothic architecture everything came from rule books and I kind of like the idea that um, architecture is bound by certain rules, and that I think that our, what I find fascinating is working within those rules, or you know, selecting which ones to to break. And but just understanding the ideas of proportion and scale and how the human um, body yeah. fits into space. So I think all of that has come from an understanding of heritage architecture and my first so when I was working with Bob Riddell my what I was doing there was actually doing measured drawings of heritage buildings so you're kind of learning about you know about scale and proportion and then when I came to Melbourne I was really lucky again I got a fantastic job with the public works department and I was measuring all of the court buildings in Victoria so I just spent you know days on the road with my sketchbook and and a um, tape Measuring, 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 and then oh, doing. Do, you, do people do that today? I, I think it's done with photography now. Uh-huh. Yeah, but in back then, yeah. and this is only in the eighties, um, I would measure things and then come back to the office and and draw, and then all of a sudden you start to work out. You know, you get an idea of you know this is this side, you know this is this wide, therefore mm-hmm. it's going to be this high, and you just get this sort of innate sense of how things are appropriate. Yeah, how things are appropriate. Stephen, since forming KPDO, I mean, one of the reasons was to perhaps, well, imagine to be able to work with Kerry. And it must have been 
how did that work? Because, you know... Well, we've always um, worked together. So I had a, um, a previous practice. Um, we supported Kerry's previous practice um, on a number of projects. So we've kind of been skirting around the idea of working together for a decade. And I, I love working with Kerry. And um, we were very fortunate to be able to actually officially join forces um, a couple of years ago. And so we've built the practice from having a focus in in interior design, and now we can offer a uh, a full scope service. So we're now architects and interior designers, and um, it's a delight. I love working with Kerry. How does it work? Do you tend to have very definite ideas about things. I mean, there must be certain conflict. You do, yeah. I mean, I just think yeah. that happens when you're working well, closely on a project and yeah, where interiors and architecture come together, there must be well, some... Well, I think the thing is, Kerry's got very strong ideas on architecture and I've got strong ideas on interiors. So, um, we, so we, it's not, we don't do it in a way where um, we both... St- we, we basically both start at the same time, so we work on a project together, so it's not like I don't do the architecture, and then Kerry comes and does the interiors. We actually start the whole idea starts together, and we we work we work very well together because Kerry's very detail focused, and I really love the macro. I love the the, the idea. idea. Yeah. So what we tend to do is we get that sort of married early, um, so everything beca- everything everything fits all of the detail fits within the big idea. So it's not a linear process. It's kind of a much more organic process. You're doing some very large projects now. I mean, I'd say five, ten years ago, uh, yeah. you were probably known for bespoke houses. That's true, yeah. It's beautiful office fit-outs. Yeah. Uh, now you're doing significant projects. There's um, the residences in St Kilda Road. That's right, the Faulkner. Uh, the yeah. Faulkner. Yeah. Um, uh, 1970s building that really, from the from anyone looking at it would say, look, it's just a pull-down job. Yeah. You know, why are you going to the effort of just... Why not just well, pull it great, down? Yeah, the great thing about that building is that it has... Um, it's got... I think it's got great bones. So it's a great... Um, not a great, but it's a it's a, a very um, workmanlike 70s piece of architecture. So it's, a, it's two slab blocks that intersect. So there's the tall tower... Mm-hmm. And then there's a, a podium that sits at 90 degrees to that. So it's a classic sort of modernist form, creates a courtyard in the front that faces St Kilda Road. So rather than kind of pull that down, because, you know, that the, the basic, the, the form of that is actually, the setup of that is perfect. perfect as it is. So what we've done is we have worked, and the other great thing about it is that if you built that now, people would build lower ceiling, um, ceiling heights. heights. So this has got really tall ceiling heights. So we found we thought that there was some really good, um, inherently uh, beautiful things uh, in this building. Um, and then what we've done is the other thing that's really great about it is that it sits pretty much in a park environment. So you've got Faulkner Park behind it and St Kilda Road in front, which is a really beautiful, as we Promenade. all know, green boulevard. So wherever you're looking at the building, whether from the park or from the boulevard, you're looking at this beautiful building amongst trees. Is it, Stephen, a problem with many architects, and not all, you know, some would appreciate the footprint, the original footprint, but that too many architects now are 
too keen to make their own statement and say, well, look, it's not me. I wanted this expression. I yeah. want to be able to say this is, you know, a John Smith or a Peter yeah. Alexander or whoever it is. Well, you're touching on one of my favourite pet topics. Well, you'd go for it, <laughs> Stephen. But I, I so, feel at the moment yeah. we're, we're very interested in making statements. Well, we, we kind of have this... I've got this thing about... Um, I call it rampant self-expression. And I find... And this is just me. This is mm. my personal view. But I find that um, the way... Perhaps I'll, I'll talk about this in another way. The way we like to work is to... Um, is to work... Is to not have such a bold ego. Mm. So I think that um, if we work within um, a series of constraints which are respectful of um, scale and materiality and um, proportion and environment they're, they're the things that are most important and then we work with those elements to create what I hope is beautiful architecture rather than thinking okay here's a site let's level everything to the ground and I'm going to build it also doesn't um, make sense financially. No, or environmentally. Environmentally. Yeah. Um, to pull down something that's got good bones. Yeah, absolutely. Like the Faulkner. Yeah. To start with scrap, you know, from scratch seems a bit of a waste of money. Yeah. And I think, um, I think it's a shame that we are, that that's happening a lot. It's happening a lot in Melbourne and it does really remind me of what was happening in Brisbane in the late 70s. So things are being pulled down um, where there is an opportunity just to think about things in a different way and to enhance what's there and respect what's there. Um, you now have some wonderful people working for you at KPDO, really. Some We're very Melbourne, yeah. very, but some very high-profile people like Cathy Hall, yes, who previously was with uh, Fender Catsalides, who right. was um, really led the um, project at Mona. Yes. Uh, wonderful staff. And so there's... There's all these creatives coming to you. And yes, and we have uh, and Daniel Stellini as Stellini. well. So he's, we've got four directors now, so it's myself and Kerry and Kathy and Daniel. So we've got a really great sort of powerhouse team. And um, what we're doing is we're, just to go back to one of your earlier yeah. comments, is that we were um, very well known for bespoke beautiful homes uh, and restaurants. Uh, and what we're doing now is we're... The things we learned from doing beautiful homes and restaurants, we're now um, being able to bring into our multi-residential work, but also into cultural projects. Art galleries. Art galleries, that's right. Um, and also, and workplace, because workplace is very much now about um, uh, sort of a residential or hospitality feel. So all of these skills that we we um, we learnt on in our early days of practice are now... Uh, allowing us to broaden our scope. Uh, you're still working with doing bespoke homes? Yeah, we do, yeah. Um, but we do that as a... Um, we love doing homes, um, and they're really great testing grounds for ideas. So all of the ideas that we have for, um, say, multi-residential projects are derived from um, the, the DNA that goes back to our um, sort of beautiful bespoke homes. So... Yeah, we we do we love um, we do love doing residential work, and restaurants. Are you still involved with restaurants? Not as much, um, and that's not through design. It's just we're really busy on other things. So mm. I um, mean, it's quite a large practice now. Yeah, yeah, we're doing a hotel with um, hotel project. So um, yeah, so and we're doing lots of 
lots you're, of projects. You're also um, putting your tentacles offshore. You've now got an office in Hong Kong. That's right. Yeah, and you're starting an office. Starting you started an office in, in New York. York. Why New York? I would have thought New York was a really competitive design field. Well, we think that um, we make these decisions. Um, it's as much about lifestyle as anything. So we love the idea of, we love Hong Kong and we love New York and we find those cities really inspirational. So, and we think, well, why, you know, why should any practice be bound by our immediate environment? So um, we, we started off in, in, in Hong Kong and, and that's, we've because um, you already did two, an apartment. Yeah, really. we've done some beautiful, two, two beautiful projects in Hong Kong, and we've met some fantastic people. And then um, also some of the clients in Hong Kong have projects in Australia. So it's interesting. So that the, the work that um, we do in Hong Kong has fed back into Australia. Uh, and the other thing is that um, New York is going through an apartment boom as well at the moment, and we feel that our um, interiors work in particular... Uh, is really well suited to the um, New York market. So that's what, our pitch for New York. Stephen, what is the New York market, if you were trying to describe I think how that, people live um, there? Well, I think space is an issue, as, as, as it is in Hong Kong. So we've done, what we've done is we've learnt how to design beautiful, um, spacious-feeling apartments in, in Hong Kong um, by looking at really good planning, beautiful materials and, and a really lovely sense of, of light. So the things that we've learnt from Australia that we then translated into Hong Kong also become really relevant in New York because um, I think people, I think globally um, we're now in a generation where people are actually very design savvy from you know blogs and magazines and publications. Everyone's interested in design. So we find that that New York is also, of course, very interested in um, in design. So we just think, why should we limit ourselves to here? So we're looking to. What are to you board. finding, uh, Stephen, are the main challenges in terms of getting a, a hold on the New York scene? Because it must be, you know, in Melbourne you're very well known, KPDO. You know, people yeah. know of you. They know of Kerry. When you go to New York, who are you? Like, well, I think well, we're very fortunate. We have our our practice director is based in New York, so um, she helps run our practice. Oh no, it's kind of the power of the power of Skype and the internet. So um, she runs our uh, Australian practice from New York, and she's very well connected in the corporate world in uh, New York. So um, Michelle, our practice um, director, is very heavily marketing for us in in New York. Is the way the media? I mean, the media side to architectural discussion is also slightly different in New York as well, I imagine. Or is it just no, the we're same? A bit, no, that's, we're a bit behind the pack, behind the curve there yet. We haven't got to the point where we're actually Publishing. published there. We're published in New York and in Australia, but it's very early days right. for New York, so that's not quite... Um, what else? I mean, you brought in this book on Harry Seidler. Yes. Uh, his life work, yes. which I've, is, I mean, he's one of the great, yeah. great architects. What is what is it about Harry Seidler that resonates with you and Kerry? Well, we had, um, uh, we, we won a great project um, uh, last year, maybe two years ago, to refurbish the, um, the Riverside Centre in Brisbane. So the Riverside Centre was 
um, what was the first A-grade uh, commercial tower on the river on the riverfront in Brisbane near in Eagle Street, and at the time Harry Seidler's brief was to design the best office building in the world. So um, he brought together an amazing team. So it was Harry Seidler, and he had um, Nervy did the structure. Amazing. There's a beautiful ceiling, structural ceiling. Um, he had the I can't remember the name of the, the consultant, but the lighting designer who lit the Louvre in Paris, um, and also a, um, Norman Caldwell, great sculptor. So he brought all these amazing people together to build this fantastic um, uh, office building, the Riverside Centre. Um, so that was in the 80s. And then what's happened now, so we're now sort of fast forward 30 years, the way people work is different to pe the way people used to work 30 years ago. So what was um, a beautiful um, kind of cathedral-like um, entry lobby, very um, very architectural, very sculptural, monastic. very monastic, just beautiful, quiet. Um, and that, people don't, that's kind of not popular anymore. So what was happening was everyone was lit, was falling out of that tower into the lobby and then they would go in, go next door and have coffee meetings next door. Was it too intimidating? No, it was. Just, it didn't have anywhere to sell, that sold coffee. Yeah. Simple, simple. So what, um, what our brief was to create, um, it's almost like a flight lounge in the in the lobby so people um, would um, come out of the building and then actually have casual meetings in the lobby rather than going off into all of the other into the other buildings so what we found was um, and over the years what had happened was things had happened in the lobby that's that kind of messed around with Harry Seidler's original um, vision. vision so our approach and um, so we we were working with um, Harry Seidler's office, um, so if they they were part of the peer review process, um, and we worked with a fantastic um, the principal there. His name is uh, Greg Holman, so we worked very closely with him on the refurbishment of this building. And one of the great things was that we had access to all the original drawings. That's amazing! It was, amazing. It was beautiful. They're all hand drawn, beautiful curves, and I looked in the title block, and then they had the initial was. You know, checked by Harry Seidler, little signature, drawn by G.H. I was like, oh, it's, it's Greg Holman. So they, these were actually his drawings that he worked on 30 years ago. So he was part of the consultancy. He was part of Harry... It was, he was in... Yeah, Harry Seidler. He was the kind yeah. of project architect. Yeah. So we worked with him, and I just found it really... Um, it reinforced my interest in modernism. So I remember having a conversation with... Um, with Greg Holman and he said um, well we were talking about some design problem and he said Stephen always remember um, oh, always remember I've forgotten no. <laughs> he said um, Stephen always remember work with passion yeah. so and this, isn't that true isn't that yeah. right so and everything everything had a reason so a curve met a straight line in a particular way a, um, you know, a, a vertical material could only be these things. A horizontal material could only be these things. So there are all of these rules, yeah. which is something you like working with. Yeah, I do. And I think that um, it goes back to. I think that's something that kind of ties together our work is that we do like working with constraints and then using those constraints, hopefully, to create poetry. So do you think, Stephen, we we perhaps 
there aren't enough constraints now in some ways. I mean, there are a lot of planning constraints. Yeah. But in terms of design constraints, do you think we've become I think, too free? Um, a little bit. I think so. I think that... Um, I think that what can happen is we're almost all taught to be geniuses. And every, everyone's... Yeah. All ideas are, are worthy. And, and this is where we come into this whole sort of rampant self-expression thing. Whereas... I think if we're if we're taught um, how taught if we start if we start off with rules, then we can work within those rules and create something something beautiful. But and you can still be creative within a within yeah a absolutely constraints. yeah absolutely. So I, and I find that's where um, I find personally this is again this is just mm. me. I find that that's where I love that challenge of working within constraints to create something hopefully beautiful rather than just starting with a complete blank blank slate and and then you know who knows where that's going to go um given there's so many staff now at kpdo what's your general role well how do you do you tend to oversee everything i mean you can't do everything physically it's just impossible but yeah. what's the area that you tend to get involved in most is it the concept stage it's concept stage i like i'm i, I, I like to think i'm very good at the broad brush Kerry's very good with the fire at the fine brush, and um, so between the two of us, we've got kind of both things covered, and we've got great um, people that help us in the office. So everything, um, yeah, it's a very, um, it's a we're very lucky. I feel like we've got the best team we've ever had. Mm -hmm. It's got some really strong talent, and I think we have. Um, we're very fortunate. We've attracted great projects as well. So it's a really we kind of feel like we're in a very good um, creative place at the moment. Well, look, I think you've worked very hard for many, many years, Stephen. So I think most people think, oh, an overnight success. But KPDO is relatively new. But in terms of Kerry Phelan and Stephen Jarvins, who have been going a very long time. And I think that does, it goes back to everything. I think it goes back to your interests, your broader interests. Well, before yeah. we go fencing, yes. Stephen, oh, okay. I we had to leave some time to, for fencing. Yes, so um, fencing, another one of my great passions. So it's, so it's, I think it's really terrific to have architecture is great, but it's also great to have this other release, uh, other release. And um, so I fence um, uh, Epe, which is a, um, it's a kind of very traditional. It's almost it's the dueling um, sword. And there's a very passionate group of people around the world that fence Epe. And um, I've got a great coach. His name's Vlad Scher. He's the Australian Olympic coach. And he's really... I've been with him for 10 years. And, and, and 10 years of training's paying off. And I'm actually getting some good results now and competing. And, at, um, Stephen, how does that tie in with architecture? Because yeah, that form okay. of fencing is very much about the body. And yes, it's very much about the body and space because with um, Epe, the whole body is a target. So you need to know where you are in relation to your opponent. So you're trying to touch, hit your opponent. He's trying to hit you. Um, so you need to know where you are. So um, it's very much about the body and space. But again, it's very much about um, precision uh, and concentration. And um, it's also, it's kind of like... Um, it's very it's it's like chess but it's like chess when you're running and boxing at the same time so it's very 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 tiring and you need to be able to think 
Clearly. And that obviously sets you up in the way you work on a daily basis. I think I've got, yeah, I think I've got pretty good concentration. So mm. I think that comes from Discipline. 10 years of, 10 years of, um, of fencing and, in, and loving that. So yeah. it's, I would recommend it to anyone. It's a great sport. Um, look, thanks so much for coming on the program today. Okay. It's, um, it's been a treat and, um, it's lovely hearing people who talk about architecture in broader terms because I think there's so many things that influence the way you think as an architect. Um, well, thanks Stephen, it's been, a, it's been a delight to be here. So um, you've been with Stephen Crafty, Talking Design at RMIT University in Melbourne. Thanks so much for listening.